Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. It's good to be with you. I'm joined by my co-host, Bailey Perkins-Wright. Hello, Bailey. Hello, Andy. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Hey, listeners. Scott uh, was tied up at work today and is not with us, um, but golly, I think we are officially into the like pre-election haze, right? Like everything's just a blur from now until November 9th. Yes. And I told you listeners last week that you're going to get all of the letters in the mail. You're going to get the commercials every five seconds. Mm -hmm. You're going to get the text messages. And so we're almost there to the finish line. We're almost to November 8th. That's right. Yeah. Be sure to put out your recycling bin weekly so you can refill it with more campaign mailers that will arrive between now and the election. And I, I don't know about you, Bailey, but I get the uh, signed up for the post office, like the little email they send you in the morning with like scanned images of all the mail that is coming that day. And it's real interesting to see each day. I'm going to start trying to make a guess for how many mailers are coming out. Right. So I think today we get five in the mail. Um, and because my wife and I don't have the same um, party affiliation, like we get a wide berth of of different mailers that come in. And it's really interesting to see them kind of comparing messages on the same races sometimes. Sure. Well, and I think one of the races that we I've mentioned before um, is the race for Senate District 30, which is uh, incumbent Julia Kurt, um, who lives, I live down the street from her. And in between her and I is her opponent, um, uh, Lori Callahan, who lives roughly halfway between Senator Kurt and me. And so it's funny driving down our street where, I mean, it's just like Kurt signs in some yards and Callahan signs and a few others. And I'm always like, we should just have a little debate at the gazebo here in the neighborhood. Like, we'll just get all the neighbors together and have a cookout. And y'all can like lay out your stump speech or your pitch for us here as your neighbors. This seems like a very Americana thing we could do. <laughs> but so far, we have not uh, we've not agreed on a date or a time to do that. Yeah, that's funny. Well, um, and I think just more broadly, the the notable thing this week there was a there was the state superintendent debate, but besides that, there hasn't really been that much political news. You know, as we were getting ready for this episode, kind of perusing all of the local news outlets websites, to as we do before every episode, making sure that we've kind of got the right information and and you know facts and figures there. Most of the coverage was really like who's running for this seat and it gives little profiles. So I think we've kind of shifted also into that voter preparation phase where the League of Women Voters put out their voter guide. You can get that at okvoterguide.com or at your local library if you want a printed copy. We spoke to them a couple of weeks ago about that. Um, the Here in Oklahoma City, the Curbside Chronicle um, also put out a voter guide if you want one of those, you can go to the Curbside Chronicle website and make a $5 donation. Or if you're just driving around and you see a curbside vendor in their green vests, you can buy one from them for $2. And it's actually a really good voter guide. I'll also mention one of the areas that people always have questions or concerns about um, regarding their ballot is the re- uh, judicial retention mm-hmm. ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of information. It feels like for folks of how do I make a decision about which associate 
judge is better than the other or should this person remain on the bench or not. Um, but the American Bar Association has a site called courtfacts.org where they have information about many of the judges and to help inform the voters about decisions made and things by, and it's very objective. So it doesn't make a decision of you should support this judge over another, but it's just great information uh, to help voters decide on which judge. And then also Oklahoma Policy Institute refreshed its blog um, blog post about uh, the judicial retention ballot. So that's another good read for folks who want to know about who to vote for on the judges. Also, I always tell people to keep in mind that um, what that means if a judge is not retained is that the governor gets to appoint who fills that vacancy. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Interesting. That's really helpful, Bailey. I appreciate that. I will put links to those in the show notes on this episode. Um, and that courtfacts.org is I, I think you may have said the American Bar Association. It's the Oklahoma Bar Association. So that's yes, my bad. The Oklahoma Bar Association. No, no, you're fine. Because I clicked on it and I was like, wow, these are all <laughs> Oklahoma judges. And I was like, oh, this is for our state. That's really my uh, fault. Really Oklahoma smart. Bar Association. <laughs> well, and it's I think this is really important because there are four of our state Supreme Court justices who are on the retention ballot this year. And I remember looking this up in years past, and I don't think that any justice has ever not been retained it has come close sometimes um, and there's some really interesting rules like where they're not allowed to campaign they have to just kind of be quiet and just take what happens so um if you are you know depending on your feelings about the state supreme court and you know who appointed them and their rulings on um, various matters i think you know the way that i have interacted with them uh, was especially through people not politicians right where we had a couple of cases that went before the state Supreme Court. I sat in the chambers and, you know, I had a, my name is on one of the cases, which is a weird thing that I never thought would happen in my life. So um, that'll be really interesting. I'm going to click through here. They have just like little bios about each person. Uh, and that alone, I think is very helpful um, because it gives you some information, which is better than no information, which is what most of us have about these. Um, I also like the OK Policy post. I think it gives some good information to kind of help explain more broadly what these positions do, the district judges and associate district judges, kind of how they come to even exist. That is helpful in understanding why these positions are so important, right? And as a reminder, for those who live in the Oklahoma City area, you will have, well, in Oklahoma City, I should be specific, um, you will have a state question, not a state question, you will have a uh, question on your ballot uh, about a school bond issue uh, for this uh, Oklahoma City public schools. So that's another important thing that you want to take time and research um, before it is time to vote. That's right. Mayor Holt, I thought, had a really informative Twitter thread yesterday or today about the school bond issue that made several points that I think people forget. Um, most namely is that, you know, our tax structure in Oklahoma is so weird in so many ways, and our school funding formula is so weird in a, a bunch of different ways. Schools cannot 
they schools do not receive any state funds for capital expenses or uh, infrastructure, right? So buildings, all of that stuff, schools have to go to voters to get money for that through the issuance of bonds, right? So the average age of OKCPS buildings in Oklahoma City public school system, it's 72 years. Most buildings are about 70 years old. So you might imagine they require some maintenance, new HVAC, new gyms, walls, all that kind of stuff. They can't spend a dime on that unless it is approved by you and I as voters. And in order for that bond to pass, it has to get a 60% majority, right? So at least 60% of voters have to vote yes. So it's a higher bar anyway, and they have to go to us. So it's difficult. And so what happens is they don't do it, you know, every couple of years for a lesser amount because it's kind of a big lift, right? It's hard work to get it all organized, design the plans, you know, make a, a path for what the money is going to be spent on. So when they do put it up on the ballot, like this year, it tends to be a big dollar figure, which spooks some people. But I would, I would, I, my personal suggestion is look less at the total amount of money because I mean, stuff's expensive right now, whether it's milk or, you know, school repairs, but also look at, do some research and see what all they're planning to use that money for, right? It really has to go to some expensive updates and maintenance that is very necessary. And if we don't do it, when literally schools will crumble on our children's heads and that's not ideal. Well, and I think there's valid questions from people in the community, especially coming out of pathways to greatness and school closures of accountability of where those dollars are going to go and how. And so I definitely encourage voters to have conversations with Oklahoma City Public Schools and other leaders on how those dollars will be spent so that you know and feel comfortable when that decision um, is made, right? Uh, so I, I, the, the vote isn't the end of the conversation of investment. That's just the starting place, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it's important to ask questions and get clarity so that you can make a clear decision. And then whenever, you know, should it pass, have those continuous conversations with leaders to hold them accountable to ensure that those dollars are spent the ways that were discussed that feel comfortable for you. That's going to be the best investment for our kids. That's right. And the school district or the school board had, I think, nine or 10 meetings, uh, maybe more than that, but community meetings um, with in English with Spanish interpretation there um, over the last month or so. Um, and I'll link to their website with a bunch of information on there as well. Um, they're not the only source, but that's where I've always started my research is going to the source of, of the school bond and, and kind of finding out how did this come to be? Who was involved in the committee that planned this? Because it was not a lone effort, right? I mean, I know a number of folks have been on the school oversight or school bond oversight um, committee. Uh, in fact, you know, friend of the show, Amy Curran, um, has been heavily involved in that um, in helping kind of promote some of this. It's a it's a really big committee member. Um, Amy Curran, Ellen Pogmiller, who's been on the show, um, J.D. Baker, many people know him. 
um, there's a, a pretty broad group of community members, advisory members, district administrators, um, school board members, um, and appointees. Uh, and so I think it's, and they've been working on this since like September of 2021. So more than a year um, they've been doing this and it's been really interesting. And I'm, I guess I'm sorry to listeners. We haven't done an episode about this. I'll be honest. It kind of snuck up on me too. Um, just the last few weeks, people were really talking about it. Even friends of mine who have been on these committees where I'm like, oh yeah, that's this year. I guess I had it in my head. It was going to be in the spring, like when school board elections usually are. And I just thought it would be then. But yes, it's on the ballot this November. It would probably help if I had opened my absentee ballot, which I have here next to me. Um, I'm planning to vote in person. And I usually try to make a little video about how to vote absentee. and I just haven't had time. Had I opened it, I would have noticed that there's a school bond measure on the ballot. Well, and speaking of the ballot, there was news that we didn't get to talk about last week, um, but is good for... Uh, future notice that there will be a vote about recreational marijuana in Oklahoma. Uh, Governor Stitt has scheduled that election to happen March of 2023. So Oklahomans will get to decide whether we expand beyond medical marijuana and allow for anyone in the state to be able to take part um, in marijuana usage uh, with a higher tax rate, right? Yeah, so that'll be on March 7th is the date of that election. Um, I'm sure a lot of folks were hoping that it could somehow be on April 20th, but that is not a Tuesday. That doesn't work out to be on 420. However, I do uh, I expect if you're planning to vote on March 7th, there might be a longer line at 420 in the afternoon. I don't know. It just seems like that's the kind of thing that this crowd would do. Um, but yeah, I've hotly anticipated and, um, you know, we, we've done an episode about it, the long road that state question eight twenty has had to get to the ballot. And the fact that it was, that he called a special election, which hasn't happened in a long time just for this. So it'll be, I think it'll be the only thing that's on that ballot and that's going to cost the state I think the figure that I saw in the news was like $1.3 million to administer that special election. So if you're interested in being a poll worker, you know, it's always harder to get poll workers for those unexpected elections. Um, and go ahead and put it in your calendar now. Of course, you can still vote by mail. You can vote early. You can vote day of, just like any other election. But that means for, I think, most of the state will have city council elections in February and then... Uh, uh, the marijuana vote in March, um, which is, those are unusual months in an off election year. These are the kind of elections where turnout tends to be exceedingly low. Um, so every vote really, really matters. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure maybe between now and then uh, we'll do another episode because that'll be right in the middle of session too. And that's the other thing that'll be interesting. This this state question is only a statutory change, like just a regular law change, not a constitutional amendment. So there exists the possibility. I'm not saying this is going to happen, and I, who knows, right? But it could pass on March 7th, and the legislature could come back and repeal it like March 8th. I mean, like they could later that week, they could come back and repeal it, which would, I mean, people would, I think, riot. Like that would be extremely unpopular for them to do. But we've seen the legislature try to undermine 
laws that the people have voted for in the past. I mean, Andy, we're still having conversations to this day about elements of state questions 780 and 781, right? Um, I was reading a press release just an hour ago uh, about conversation of whether the elevating of the petty crimes of, of theft, you know, should be lowered. And if elevating that um, number has led to an increase of thefts of people's packages and other things, right? And so um, those conversations continue to exist. And to me, that shows a likelihood that those conversations will come up in the 2023 legislative session of, of what are some ways to change and undo what the people have put in place, right? Um, so that definitely wouldn't be um, out of reach uh, for folks to um, pass that state question in March and then the legislature um, find ways to either change it, repeal it in, in ways that are different than the vote of the people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of see. So there's like all of these storylines kind of weave together, right? It's like when you watch a movie and you're meeting different characters on other sides of the planet and you kind of know that eventually they're all going to come together at the end. That's kind of what's happening with federal marijuana laws, with state marijuana laws and, and initiatives with past um, drug laws and, and all of this. Cause you know, recently president Biden, issued that executive order that would change simple possession into being a misdemeanor and not a felony, which has not had much impact in Oklahoma because that's what 780 was supposed to do or did here. However, we've seen since then a spike, a dramatic increase in charges being moved from simple possession to possession with intent to distribute. That's a pretty nuanced difference there. And you know, with intent to distribute is a felony. And so it really, I mean, right after 780 passed or went into effect, boom, there's a huge spike on the stats. You can see that I guess DAs just started reclassifying or recharging people um, with a higher charge as a way to still enact punishment on them, which is the antithesis of the intent of the law. Uh, and so I expect this will be litigated or at least examined and audited um, over the next year. And it may be something that the state legislature really looks into um, because they're the ones that are responsible for the budget and doling out money. And when there's supposed to be cost savings, that's not there. Um, I expect they would rather have that money there and be able to, uh, I don't know, cut taxes or something with that um, than have to come up with that money from another source. Well, and it's also another note of why language matters and how laws or state questions are worded. Because one of the reasons that the money hasn't been prioritized for what that state question has lifted was the language about that essentially gives the legislature the ability to assess how those dollars go into that account, right? So um, I think that's something 
that's important as we make policy that there has to be teeth in areas that requires deposits or whatever. But when there is latitude for um, discretion for the legislature, they do get to make those decisions of prioritizing what matters most to them in those moments more so than what did the spirit of the law say. Yeah. 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 Um, Bailey, on a different note, did you happen to see earlier this week, I think it was on Monday, it was a story from KOSU uh, about the governor getting back into this gaming compact battle with the tribes? Because um, I heard about it and and thought it was interesting timing, but as I've read about it during the week, it's a little mind-blowing in some ways. Well, and what I've heard is that, uh, well, I think it's number one, it's indicative of the larger conversations that have um, increased over time about the strained relationship between the governor and uh, many of our tribal nations, right? Um, and so this is, I view it um, as a strategy to say, I want to come back to the table and even the hiring of legal counsel to help, you know, facilitate. But the challenge with that is that it's one-sided. This wasn't a conversation that's happening with the tribal leaders who don't feel the respect, you know, for the... Um, what what word would I want to use on this? Um, who don't feel respect for like the magnitude, I guess, of the the conversation, right? Mm. Uh, because even after that notice went out that those conversations would be um, basically are, are coming back into the fold from the governor's side, there was responses from tribal leaders who said, yeah, we hear this, but we're still not being brought to the table in the way that we should be, right? So yeah, that's the challenge of, of having a genuine and authentic discussion and um, coming together for a, a compromise on the compacts when it's one-sided. Right. And I, I, I think for me, this stood out for a couple of reasons. One, we're like a week and a half out from the election, his re-election. It seems like bad timing to bring something like this back into the forefront of the public discourse when you know that the tribes have already endorsed against you they're already upset and i think broadly it just seemed like an unnecessary move at least for timing right if you just won re-election you want to get into it okay that makes sense but right now it seemed like poor strategic timing secondly when um he so the governor signed new gaming compacts with four of the smaller tribes and but did so without legislative approval, which is against the law, essentially. And the tribes, and I think the legislature, the leadership, took that to the state Supreme Court. And the state Supreme Court said, oh, yeah, indeed, the governor is not allowed to unilaterally um, sign new gaming contracts. And so the state Supreme Court already nullified him once. That's happened. And now he wants to, he's basically trying to re-sign those and bring this issue back up and like just get the lawsuits from the larger tribes, the big tribes dismissed. But he did this apparently um, 
unbeknownst to legislative leadership, unbeknownst to the tribes, um, and did so with an outside law firm, so not an Oklahoma-based firm. He dismissed his previous counsel and has hired a D.C.-based firm that, as far as the news can tell, likely charges between $800 and $1,200 per hour, right? Like, it's a very high rate. Uh, and that's, the, I mean, the state's already spent about $1.5 million on previous outside counsel, um, which was double the original estimate. Uh, and so for him to have spent that money, essentially lost it all because they haven't, they didn't win the case, right? And now he's starting over again with another, I think, maybe more expensive outside counsel. So Andy, it does raise a question of what does this mean? Yeah. Is this bringing the issue back to the table? If we're back at square one, essentially, of all of the other challenges that you noted. So if the legislature wasn't informed um, that this process was starting again, or the tribal nations <laughs> aren't on board for how the process is starting again, what is the goal or or the expected outcome? Is this just a chance to say, look, I'm trying and paint an image that the tribes aren't coming to the table or like what, what is the expected outcome from wanting to, to your point, come back to this um, discussion during this election season? Right. I mean, it just seems I would like the KOSU article, which I will also link to in the show notes, has a timeline of events related to these gaming compacts. And it's all from July of 2019 through January of 2021. So it's been, you know, a, a year, almost two years ago since any the most recent kind of thing happened, um, which basically was he signed two gaming complac compacts. The, um, the federal government did nothing about it. And then the bigger tribes sued or the state sued about it. The legislature sued. So those were basically ruled as invalid. He signed more compacts. Then later, those were ruled as invalid. And um, so he's like suffered, I would say, like a number of losses in the in the eyes of the law and probably the eyes of the public. And it seems risky to brought this up right now. Um, it seems risky to have brought it up at all because um, it's spending more state money, except when they asked the governor's office, um, his spokesperson, Carly Atchison, said, that it was not state um, money. So she said it was the funding for the new council wasn't coming from the joint state tribal committee that would require approval. Um, and so we'll have to be very curious to see what happens because of course all the tribes are, and I think a lot of the public is like, hang on, why are you spending more taxpayer dollars on lawsuits you've already lost? Not once, but like several times this is this is a you know bad use of government of of taxpayer dollars it's also an assumption about re-election right so there's confidence there that i'm going to re-engage this conversation under the notion of of being re-elected november 8th so i think that's another interesting aspect to it of i'm going to continue on these efforts to show oklahomans i'm going to continue doing the business right 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like his stance on building a new house on the governor's mansion grounds, right? Where he was like, oh, no, we're going to build it. It's, we're going to move forward in the next couple of months with breaking ground on it. And it's like, well, but you might not be there. <laughs> like, this seems like a very unnecessary and high dollar thing to move forward with uh, that you're hoping. And I don't know if that's trying to project confidence, you know, a winning attitude. I'm all for that, but like not when it is involves uh, millions of dollars of our money. But hey, that's me. Um, well, I mean, Bailey, is there anything else that you want to bring up this week? Um, I don't think so. I mean, there's. Do you want to talk about that? things happening at the federal front um, of leader spouses getting assaulted. And I know that's something that is concerning, like regardless of where anyone falls on the political spectrum, no one deserves to be assaulted and harmed. And so I feel like we're seeing a greater trend of aggression towards our political leaders that we have to think about with our verbiage um, and the ways that we're we're engaging that we're ensuring that people have the ability to lead without fear. So just sending thoughts to uh, Speaker Pelosi's husband on his recovery um, after being attacked in his home. Yeah, that story was nuts. Um, and there's still details coming out about it, but it is concerning and just nuts. Well, um, I think that brings us to the end of the episode for this week. It's been a short episode, and that's okay, because we're all very busy. Um, listeners, before we go, well, first, Bailey, thanks for being here. Of course. <laughs> and I mean, and, and listeners, just another reminder, this is the time to do your research for your ballot. You can go to the Oklahoma Voter Portal and find your sample ballot to see what exactly is going to be on your ballot. Don't assume that you know what district you live in because we just came off of redistricting um, over the past year. So there could be shifts of who you may be voting for or who may represent you um, in 2023. So make sure that you're taking that time in advance to do that research because it's going to be important. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, another good resource is kind of a compendium of some of these resources is on our website, if you go to letsfixthis.org slash election guide, or just click on election guide in the menu, um, on that page, you will find a direct link to the voter portal. So you or to view your sample ballot. Um, you will find links to the League of Women Voters voter guide, the Curbside Chronicle voter guide, um, the resources we mentioned earlier about from OK Policy about the judicial retention ballot, as well as courtfacts.org. And we'll have all of that there in one place. Some FAQs about voting, um, you know, dates, times, how you can go vote early, voting on election day, all of that. And when you go to our website, you'll probably get a pop-up when you first get there that's a notification about our very exciting election night event. It is the election night show at Tower Theater. That is Tuesday, November 8th. That's election day. Doors at 6, show at 6.30. Um, Mayor David Holt will be there. Former state senator A.J. Griffin will be there. Erica Lucas, local entrepreneur, um, will be there. 
and our musical guest will be Cody Pruitt and the Secret Mansions, which I think is a tongue-in-cheek uh, joke about politics there. I didn't know he was that political, but that's funny. It's, gonna, it's a really great um, group of musicians that are going to be playing for us that night. We'll have raffles, we'll have food, we'll have merch. Um, it'll be, we'll have election results. That's the reason we're all there. Should be super fun. So 6.30 to 10 on election night at the Tower Theater. It's free. It's all ages. It's free. Please um, feel free to come. And uh, we'd love to see you there. Well, uh, listeners, right. before you show up and have a good time with us November 8th, take some time between now and, I guess, 7 p.m. on election day or whenever you come to hang out with us uh, to find the candidate or candidates that you support. Spend some time to knock some doors for them. If you have a couple of coins, you know, make a donation. Um, every vote will count this election cycle. I mean, we say that all the time, all votes matter, but who shows up to the polls this election will determine who's going to be elected in some really important races. So take that time, um, do your research on the candidates for the ones that you like, get out there, make some phone calls, knock some doors because they all need um, as much help as they can get. So do your part. And that's a good reminder, Bailey. Also, this coming Tuesday, November 1st, um, we are having another text banking party, tacos and text banking on Tuesday, right? Taco Tuesday and text banking. Who doesn't sounds, like tacos? Who doesn't like alliteration in their in their event titles? Yeah. So um, we will be at the Copley on Northwest 23rd Street with tacos from Big Truck Tacos. And we'd love to see you there last week or mm, earlier this week at our event. We had around 20 volunteers and we sent um, over like nearly 45,000 messages to voters, had some really great conversations with folks about voting, um, helping direct them to the right resources. It's all nonpartisan. It is just focused on getting voters out to vote. And because this election is going to be so close, it's so important. Um, we'd love to have you come on down. You can go to our website um, and sign up or register for the event on our Mobilize. I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, it's mobilize.us slash let's fix this. Should be a ton of fun. Last time we didn't have any music or dancing, but maybe we'll bring that in this time. You can dance and text bank at the same time, right? Surely that makes sense. I mean, right. you need two weeks of good fun with let's fix this. So there we go. It's, it's a party with a purpose. <laughs> it's true. I just looked at the event to see, and we've got almost 20 people already registered. It should be. Um, a super, uh, just a really good time. A lot of folks that came this past week were like, oh, this is way more fun than I thought. And they're planning to come next week to join us. Listeners, thanks so much for being here. Don't forget to vote this year. You can vote early, November 2nd through 5th, or you can vote on election day, November 8th. Please vote. Tell your friends to vote. Drive them there. You know, whatever you got to do, uh, make sure they vote. And uh, have a good week. 